This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm joined today by Jessica Bautista, one of our digital journalists, and Derek Konofowski, multimedia analyst. So here in Gilbert, we're really focused on video. So today, I want to talk about the various tech and tools that we're using um, for different types of videos, both short and long form. Jess, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the tools that you use on a daily basis? Okay. Um, Aside from our regular HD Panasonic camcorder that we use for a lot of our videos and promotions, um, one of my favorite tools is a really easy one that most of us probably have, and that's a phone. (laughs) The iPhone actually shoots, you know, really great video. I've seen it, uh, the footage side by side with a regular HD footage holds up. And in some cases, you know, in outdoor lighting situations, I can't even tell the difference or it's even better, you know? So, so the tech has come a long way in terms of just regular camera phones. And I'd say that's the most convenient. It's small. You carry it all the time. It's with you. If something pops up, that's something that you could just pull out of your pocket and start videoing. You know, even if you use it, you don't use it later. It doesn't matter. It's always on you. So, um, really convenient tool that we use a lot on a daily basis. We have um, short form and long form video that we do here, and one of the short form videos is actually kind of a more of an internal focus, but we also release a lot of it for the um, community as well. And that's the manager's update. And it started out as a blog for our uh, town manager Patrick Banger to kind of update on what projects or what issues he's working on in the town or the town overall is is trying to accomplish. The blog, I think, got what averaged about 30 views. Yeah, I think it was 27. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every month. And so, and it took you know, a ton of work. You know, you have to write it, you have to come up with a topic, then you have to edit it, and then you had multiple people review it, and then you post it. Really, it was very time-consuming. You know, and it was like a page, page and a half long of, of content. No video, no picture. Uh, you know, so at this point, you know, when's the last time you as a listener have have read that much content just kind of surfing the web. Um, so we started to do that as a quick video on the iPhone, you know, caught the manager in the hallway with one of his employees and just kind of talked about what meeting they were coming out of. And, um, you know, that's how it started. And now it's, be- it's, uh, we do it twice a month and I kind of schedule them out as to what topics we are kind of highlighting that week. And, um, it's quick, it's easy. It's not intimidating, which I think is another great, um, great aspect of the iPhone. It's not a giant camera that you're shoving in someone's face. You know, a lot of people are uh, quick to warm up to the iPhone and they can, you know, talk in front of it without getting too nervous. So I think that's one of my favorite things. And it's really, really just um, very versatile as a tool. Oh, yeah. And the views are great. I mean, we're averaging at least 150 views each time. So we're reaching so many more people using the video format. Plus, they get a chance to see the manager. You know, they get to hear from him and they might not get to interact with him on a daily basis. So this is really important, I think, um, for them to kind of get a sense of who he is and and what it's like to to work with him. So I think that that's really powerful. What kind of tools do you use with your phone? Because I know we get a lot of, you know, you have um, some microphones that you use, um, some mini, mini pod, tripods too. So talk about what you use, um, what other tools you use for the phone. Yeah. So over the course of, you know, there's a learning curve whenever you start using a new new tool in the industry and with video, especially, you know, you get in a loud environment and you're thinking, man, I wish I had a microphone. What can I do next time? You know, what can I get that'll, that'll be an easy fix. And so we got these, um, and pretty affordable. Yes. And very affordable. It's amazing. So if you're using your phone, just a few, um, accessories you can get, 
that are very affordable that will really up the quality of the video and the sound that comes with it. So we use a Rode microphone. It's a lavalier mic um, that you can clip onto someone's shirt. And we actually bought an extension for it. That was another <laughs> trial and error that we did. You know, I was doing a live video um, for the opening of a new restaurant and following the chef around in the kitchen. And I had him mic'd on with the Rode microphone and, um, and the cord just happens to, you know, it's, it's long enough for most situations, but in a kitchen with chefs, uh, you know, throwing around hot pans and, <laughs> and ovens and waiters going by me, um, I wanted a little bit more room. So we actually bought an extension for that microphone works really well. Now I've just got a lot more freedom and room, uh, between me and my subject when I'm interviewing, still get that awesome sound, uh, that you just can't get when you've got nothing in terms of a microphone except for the built-in. Um, that picks up everything around it. So we use that a lot. I'd say pretty much every time we interview somebody on the iPhone, we use that microphone. We also use a Fugetech selfie stick. It's uh, it's kind of a monopod. Um, it uh, connects to your phone, I think via Bluetooth, so that you can actually remote control it. Uh, you can turn it on and off. You can take pictures. Um, and it kind of has three phases that you can extend. So it gets pretty long. And it also, the, what I like is the top and the bottom are... Uh, very customizable. So we've actually used this for an iPhone. We've used it for a 360 camera. Um, we've used it for a GoPro. And uh, I just discovered that I can put a little tiny uh, tripod foot on the bottom of it and have it as a tripod instead of a monopod. So it doesn't even need to have a person standing there holding it. That's a really useful tool as well, especially if you're um, doing live video or if you're doing something that's kind of a stationary event like a press conference or a memorial ceremony or something like that, to be able to just set it up and sit down next to it is really nice. Yeah, people ask us all the time, you know, they look at the videos we're making and they're like, well, how do you do that? Do I need, do I need to buy a camera? Do I need to get, you know, what kind of tools? And, and so many people, I think, already have the basic tools in their hand, especially if they have an iPhone and they don't even realize it. Another really great tool that we have that we're using quite a bit that people comment on when they see our videos is the drone. So Derek, talk to us about this experience of learning the drone and, and becoming a certified pilot. <laughs> yes, the drone and the uh, FAA, FAA adventure. Yeah, that's, that's been a lot of fun. Um, so just in general, I, I've been droning before. It's a, it's a hobby of mine. So it was actually kind of exciting to get the opportunity to fly the drone for work too. Um, but one of the things was, yeah, we, we have to get a remote pilot certification in order to be able to fly the drone for government work. And then, you know, on top of that, it's, it's a pretty expensive piece of equipment. There's another expensive piece of equipment that goes in it, which is our GoPro. Um, and then, you know, just being able to fly, plan everything out. I mean, there's tons of things that you have to take into account before you actually can take the drone out and, and shoot anything. There's a lot of planning that goes along with it. So Jess and I, anytime that we have uh, a shoot that we want to do, or, you know, we, we filmed some footage of the uh, regional park that we're going to be opening up in South Gilbert and that whole thing, you know, you just, you have to plan out where you're going to take off with the drone. It needs to be stable ground in order to be able to take off. So you have to plan like where the drone is going to go up. You need to make sure that it's not around any airports or anything like that, that, you know, you're, you're. Or power lines. Yeah, we power lines. Um, anything magnetic and power lines, especially because they they're electromagnetic interference. But any anything that can interfere with the GPS on the drone or the flight path or you know weather. We uh, we took the drone uh, after that fire. 
and, and, and kind of surveyed that whole area and it was super windy that day. So we were basically kind of like flying the drone around in a circle around the area just to try and get the whole thing. And the, the wind kept pushing the drone farther and farther out, you know? So there's just, there's a lot of stuff that you need to check before you do it. And, and it's, it's kind of like flying a plane in certain regards. You know, there's a lot, there's a whole checklist that you want to do beforehand and you always want to make sure that you have multiple people with you. So you have somebody actually flying and then somebody who's kind of got their eyes on the drone so you don't lose it too. Yeah, the way the drone works is that you can actually, um, so it connects to your phone and you can see what you're shooting on your phone. Um, you also have a remote control. There's just so many pieces that have to line up correctly. Um, we always joke before we have a shoot is that we need to schedule in more time in advance to do all the updates. So there's software updates that need to yeah. be done quite frequently. And so, you know, every, it seems like every time we get out, we get set up and then we turn everything on and we're all excited. It's, oh, software update. <laughs> Let's sit here and wait for 10 minutes. Yeah, although I do want to point out too, though, that you guys mentioned the iPhone and how versatile the iPhone is. I mean, that's actually one of the things that I like about the drone. It, it, can, it can annoy us sometimes that there are always updates for it, but at the same time, because it's not tied to like a physical piece of hardware, it's tied to an iPhone that can update all the time. Yes. They've added features to the drone that, that we never thought to use before um, with the particular drone that we have is called the 3dr solo and we've got the whole thing decked out we've got a 360 mount for it we have a gimbal for our gopro to stabilize the footage and they added all kinds of features to it like a cable cam so we can set you know a start point and an end point and the drone will automatically fly at a constant speed between those two places or um, it's got features where you can reverse your path. So if you flew somewhere and, you know, it's it's kind of in a tight spot and you want to make sure that you absolutely get out without running into anything, you can just use the reverse feature and it'll back out, you know, and uh, it's got a return to home. So if anything goes wrong or whatever and you lose <laughs> sight of the drone, you just hit the button and it will use the GPS to just fly right back to you. So um, I actually, I it, yeah, it can be annoying sometimes when, you know, we're ready to fly and there's an update but overall I'm really happy with the fact that we can update the drone because we can do all kinds of stuff that we couldn't do when we bought it and that just kind of extends the longevity of it you know yeah. we don't have to buy new equipment we're not gonna have to buy a new drone next year just because of the fact that you know we've added all this new stuff to it and it ends up saving taxpayers money too so that's exactly why we choose the three chose the 3dr solo is because that camera itself is upgradable so we actually had um, uh, an older version of the GoPro when we started and then mm -hmm. a new GoPro came out and we were to upgrade that um, and so now we're shooting 4k video with the drone we didn't have to buy a new drone to do that we can upgrade that camera as well I agree. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about kind of both of us being on scene and both of us kind of making sure that everything goes safely and everything. So it is it is a two person job, but I think um, it's a lot of fun and you get footage with it that you would never be able to get with another tool. It's a it's amazing, um, you know, what it allows us to do and what it allows to, to show people from a different perspective. You really get, you know, we flew in the Heritage District with this um, over, we have a water tower that's kind of central to our Heritage District. What's the Heritage Gilbert. District? Yeah, that's, um, I guess it's the oldest part of Gilbert and it's also kind of the busiest kind part. Of our downtown. It's like a, yeah, yeah it's like our area. downtown. There's a lot of restaurants and shops and things like that. There's a lot of traffic, a lot of people down there, a lot of mo movement. Um, and so when we were able to go and get a look at that from 300 feet, you really get 
to see just the denseness that's down there. And yeah, and watching the construction in progress, I think that's yes. pretty cool. We've got some time-lapse abilities now that we can, you know, show how buildings are going up because we do have a lot of redevelopment and new businesses coming down there. And so I think that that's really cool too. And Derek mentioned the park, which I wanted to go back to, a 272-acre piece of land. How else do you show visually? I mean, we had this was on our ballot, actually, on the in, during the primary election. Um, we were trying to sell two parcels of land, so something really important and vital to our residents to be able to understand the vastness of this property, and how do you do that? Well, we really couldn't figure out, what do you do, send a photographer out there and get some still photos? And we had just gotten the drone, so this yeah. was an awesome opportunity for us to take it up and really give people a sense of how large it was and, and how beautiful it was. And so that was, you know, that's a great tool. Yeah, yeah. and I, I like the fact, too, that I mean, if you think about what people had to do before this technology came out, you know, drones, a couple of years ago, nobody knew about drones. Like we didn't, we didn't talk about that at all. They weren't a thing. Now they're like a huge thing because before you would have to take a helicopter or something, you know, there, there's like a whole ordeal that you have to go through just to get this kind of footage. And I think having the drone, I mean, as far as I know, I don't know of any other municipalities that have a drone that, that use it for stuff like that. And I think it's both elevated the types of videos that we're able to shoot, but also just seeing the comments from people that are like, oh, wow, I've never, you know, there's people, we, we've been mentioning the Heritage District. The Heritage District has a lot of landmarks that that we just have never been able to get that kind of footage, like seeing everything at the same time. Dana mentioned the construction and stuff like that. And just, you know, that park, being able to fly mm -hmm all across the that entire 272 acres in one shot and then spin it around right away. You know, I think we were out there maybe at most for an hour shooting that footage and that drone just, it you know, that kind of technology really gives you a reach and an extension and capability that we would never have otherwise. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, a few years ago before these things existed or before they were um, available to consumers, what we would have had to charter a helicopter. Mm -hmm. I mean, we would have to hire a professional photographer or pilot or both to go up and do these aerial shots. Yeah, we don't have budgets to do that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff, so we wouldn't so, be doing it. Exactly. Yeah. So, and even you know, the, we wouldn't the, have gotten it. The shots, too, that aren't like that high up, they're not exactly aerial shots, you know, even the lower, I think we had a couple shots in the state of the town or some of the other videos where we're just going above an intersection and you can see like the, you know, those are like crane cam shots yeah. that we would have to have a crane a or, or, yeah, yeah. or like a whole gimbal set up or, you know, and even shots where we're like following cars or like doing that kind of stuff that the, the drone is just so versatile that it, it kind of fits all those different contexts for us. It's, it's, it's just like the iPhone. It's multiple tools that because we, we planned this out in advance and bought the right tool, we now have the capability to do this. Whereas before we would have to get all these individual tools to do the same job. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, any other cities are really doing this. But again, it's actually more affordable than going out and buying oh, a large camera even. And so, you know, trying to be creative in that way. In fact, we just bought a 360 um, camera. So talk to us a little bit about that. I know you're in the very experimental stages of using it and kind of figuring out how to use it. But we like to be at the forefront um, of these technologies. And so whenever we see um, someone else doing it well, I know Disney's one that really uses um, 360 video really well. And I've watched a lot of their promotional and especially their um, social um, videos too, where they're using the 360 video. And so we started kind of brainstorming around what we would do with that. So tell me about 
Um, you know, again, something that's not super expensive, um, maybe a little more tricky to use, but kind of just have to figure it out along the way. Yeah. And, you know, with any new tech, you kind of get it and you you do go through some bumps and some learning uh, uh, lessons and uh, then you figure it out and, you know, it allows us to kind of think outside of the box and get creative with what we're doing, which is um, the part that I really love. It's kind of, you get this whole new perspective, like with the drone and now with 360, you know, what can we do with this? What is really cool and how can we communicate with this that that's going to be done in a way that nobody else is doing it? And Carnival Cruise, you mentioned Disney. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff come out of Carnival Cruise Line actually lately that's great, that's been done with a 360 camera. And I think, you know, as the social media platforms and things like that adapt to being able to host this type of video as well. We'll have even more opportunities. So right now we know that Facebook and YouTube can both host 360 video. Um, and you know, if you've seen these things, you may have seen them on your Facebook feed or your YouTube channel where you can hold up your phone and move it around the room and see the picture you know, just as it says, 360 degrees around yourself. Now, what can you do with that? So we bought a Kodak uh, PixPro 360 camera, and we put a lot of research into this. Um, you know, this is a high-quality camera. It's also 4K, too. Yes. Which we, we kind of flip-flop back and forth on that for a little while, but I think that was the right choice. Yeah, I do, too. And at the end of the day, it gives us great quality video. It's going to last a long time, I think. And um, and it's it's fairly easy to use so far. Now, we did get a little too ambitious <laughs> the second we got it. Um, we actually bought it with a kit that came from 3DR Solo, which is the company that made our drone. And it, they were they had a special, of course, you know, we're always thinking fiscally. <laughs> yeah, trying to save, save some money. They had a special on, um, you know, a uh, 360 kit for the drone. So, you know, we, we unboxed it and we thought immediately, all right, let's take this out and let's fly it around. Yeah. By, by the way, our drone is affectionately named Diva because <laughs> she's a little temperamental she sometimes. exactly that. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we strapped the 360 kit right on there and needless to say, our, our first, uh, first time out didn't yield the results that we were we yeah, for. but just because we only played with it for maybe five, ten minutes or whatever. Yeah, we gave it a shot, and uh, you know, then we came back inside and we we read the instructions. Yeah, know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, how do we really do this? Oh, hey, this fits into this spot. That <laughs> must must be right. So, um, you know, I took it out a second time in our heritage district, which we mentioned a couple of times, where all that um, action is happening downtown and all the construction is happening. And this is a, a where I learned a couple of new lessons, just about three hundred and sixty in general, that might come in handy for anybody else who's looking to do it. Um, I put it on our uh, monopod and I, you know, walked into the middle of the median um, and I thought, you know, I'm going to give people kind of a look at our downtown. Uh, anybody who wants to check out Facebook and see, you know, what, what does Gilbert look like? What are people doing at eight o'clock in the morning downtown? Um, we were at a coffee shop nearby. And so I put it on the monopod and then I stood in the median and as a videographer um, and you kind of, feel weird just standing there with a the camera motionless. <laughs> so, you know, I, I took it and I walked up and down and I did some pans because that's how you shoot videos. still. Yeah, yeah, you yeah just, exactly. You, you have to show something. Well, it's 360 already. So I got back and I looked at the video and it was okay, but there was no need for me to even move the camera. Really, you get what you need by, um, by just sitting it there in the middle of something. And so I think what 360 brings that's that's different that we're kind of, you know, 
I'm going to have to change my mindset around it uh, to get more creative is that it already provides the perspective. You need to move your subject. Um, and so, you know, we also shot, uh, the second shoot was, um, to promote an upcoming parade that we have. It's a pretty big deal in Gilbert. Um, and you know, it involves the usual marching bands, dance teams, things like that. And so I took one of the drum lines and actually had them form a circle and put the camera in the middle of it. And that way, when you're watching the video, you can control where you're looking and what drummer you're looking at, you know, and, and have them do their marching cadence just around the camera, which I think was a lot more effective than trying to move the camera and lead the viewer like, like you normally should. Really, 360 is a whole nother ball game where the viewer gets to control their own view. Um, so you just kind of guide that using your subject. Yeah, and I think that's a good point too. Like when you look at technology and and the stuff that we do with video, you know, like video, it was, I don't want to say better. I hesitate to use the term better, but just, you know, for the sake of argument, video is better than still pictures because people can see action. Regular video is, you know, 360 video is better than regular video because if you think about like the the ultimate experience for for an end user for somebody that's looking at this stuff they want to feel like they're there you know and video regular video kind of helps with that a little bit but ultimately you have the the videographer or the director or whoever kind of staging the scene for people whereas like you said this this lets people feel like they're there and then control it themselves like they can look around if they have you know vr goggles or one of the um the, the gear VR things, Google the, cardboard, the cardboard or whatever. Yeah. yeah. They, they can kind of put that and then it's, it's, it's almost as close as actually being there and attending the event or attending, you know, whatever is happening right then and there. It's, it's, it's a very personal experience for them. And, that and that's what we want. I mean, this is yeah. for our residents. This is for future residents that may want to move here to be able to experience, see what they would you know, it would be like to be in downtown, like you said, in the morning businesses that might want to locate here. So why we're doing this is to share that experience with others, not only just people in the community, but others outside and kind of spread the word about Gilbert. And so I think that that's really important. And I love the trial and error piece that you talked about. A lot of this is just kind of going with it, giving it a shot, new technology, whatever it might be, but trying to stay ahead of the curve and it might not work and it might not work ever, um, or as well as you would want it to, but, um, kind of just getting out there and, um, you know, having those opportunities to experience it. I want to talk um, briefly, too, about live video, because I think mm. when you mentioned some of these things being a two-person team, so, you know, every time we turn around, there's a new live video platform, you know, it was Periscope, and now it seems to be Facebook Live is the place to be. Um, but I know you two have double teamed on a live event and done both at the same time. Um, not really, you know, now we kind of realize that Periscope's going to have a more global audience, um, not just people that are in Gilbert, whereas Facebook they're going to be our followers or the people that are most likely already living here or know about Gilbert and follow us. So it really is kind of two different audiences. But for certain events, like the birthday party we threw for Gilbert, um, you know, we wanted to be everywhere. So talk to me what that dynamic was like and what tools you use for live video. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. You know, we talked a little bit about with the drone shooting and the 360 shooting, a lot of this is is planning, I think, is super important right before. You know, it's, it's live video, so it just just from the sound of it means that, like, it's while it's happening. But it, with any of our live video, there's there's a lot of planning that we do in advance to make it 
you know, happen to make sure that we're not crossing paths. And one of those things is like you mentioned, the, the Twitter, Facebook dynamic, you know, Twitter, yeah, it's more global. People are usually tuning in and out. And so Periscope kind of fits that, 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 um, demographic, I guess. And then Facebook is really our community. It's the people that live in Gilbert that we see all the time that, that, you know, talk, back and forth with us regularly that are now tuning into this live video. And so I think before you get into your live video, you really have to think about who, you know, who are you, whatever event you're filming or whatever the subject of the live video is, do, does, do you need a global reach? Do you want a local reach? And then more importantly, do you film both channels, both Periscope and Facebook Live from the same perspective? Or do you have two people like Jess and I um, you know, record two different experiences for people. Is the experience on Facebook different than it is on Periscope or are both the same thing, you know? So I, I think Jess probably has some insight on here too, but I, I think that you have to figure that stuff out in advance. It's not something that you just be like, okay, we're going to shoot some live video. <laughs> you follow me. And, you know, it's got to be like, okay, we're either going to be filming the same thing or, you know, Let's, let's give people two different experiences so that there's a reason for them to join us on Periscope and there's a completely different experience and a different reason for them to join us on Facebook. Or is it something where we're, we need to get some content across and we both want to go at the same Yeah, you're time. right. And as much as live video isn't as highly produced as something that you're going to sit down and do pre-production and editing and so forth, you're right. There's a lot of planning that goes into it. And then while you're doing it, there's still a lot of multitasking mm -hmm. that's happening. And we, we do know this now because of our experience. Yeah. You know, our Again, trial and error. Derek mentioned it. You know, you could go out there and just say, we're going to do both at the same time. Follow me. And we did. Um, and I don't think it was as effective. Uh, you know, we've tried uh, putting two different phones on the same selfie stick. Um, very difficult to do. And then you've got the comments. You've got live comments coming in. You've got live questions. Trying to monitor that as one person with two different channels on two different phones is virtually impossible. So we learned that pretty quickly. And then, uh, you know, when we tried to get the same perspective at the same event, kind of side by side for two different audiences, we got in each other's way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, we've learned over the course of this trial and error and also the development of these different, different platforms. Now your video doesn't dis necessarily disappear right away on Periscope. Um, it also stays up a lot longer on Facebook Live. You know, people can come back and watch that later. So if they've already saw, you know, if they already saw some of it on Twitter, they might want to go to that Facebook Live feed and see it from a different perspective or from a different person's point of view. So um, we've kind of learned that and we've adapted our strategy. And again, um, thinking every time we go into it, who are we doing this for? You know, who do we want to see it and how do they want that information given to them. And so these are the questions that you ask before any shoot. And I think it's important to do that before live shoots as well. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, because we're, it's live video, but once that time period of the actual live recording is over and done with, people can still come and watch the video after the fact. So I feel like too, there's like this, this balancing act of making sure that the people who are actually interactively watching the video while you're filming it and commenting along with you, you're keeping them interested, you're keeping them, you know, focused on what's going on. But you also in the back of your head have to think about, 
people are also going to be watching this after the fact. They're, you know, on, on Periscope, they're replay viewers or whatever that are getting this information after. So you have to think about for yourself, well, what questions might those people have that we haven't answered already? Like, I don't just want to do the things that the, the people currently watching live are doing. Yes, they're probably the, the primary target, but there's also that whole secondary audience that it's going to see. And, and it doesn't just go away. You know, it could be weeks afterwards that people are seeing this. It could be just a couple days, a couple hours, whatever. So, you you know, you have to address it for both those audiences. And then again, the demographics are just different between Twitter and, and Periscope and Facebook Live. So how do you do the replay questions and answers or, or topics or whatever for people that are on Twitter versus the local people who are going to be watching it afterwards. And we're like, oh, well, I know where that is, but you mentioned something. I have other questions about that. You know, we, we got to get in front of that stuff. And again, that's where that planning comes in. Definitely. Well, this was fun. And we talked all about all the tools and the different video. We, I feel like we could have gone on for a whole other episode. We didn't even <laughs> talk about using a real camera, like a legitimate camera on a tripod. Yeah. We mentioned um, our GoPro a couple times, but I want to give it a little bit more credit. Yeah. It is one of my favorite cameras. Um, and I'll just talk a little bit about uh, some of the ways that we've used it because I, I feel like yeah. it didn't get enough yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, play. Um, and uh, some of my favorite things that I've done is um, and where this can really come in handy, uh, things like police trainings. So mm -hmm. I was actually invited to our Gilbert Police Department SWAT training, and um, it was a live fire training, which means they were going in and they were shooting um, different targets and things and going around this kind of maze training facility that was created for this exercise. And I strapped it to one of the SWAT team members' helmets, and we got a look at that that you would never get, you know, with a regular camera, especially in that situation. I've also put it on a canine dog for the police department. I put it in the canine's water dish so you could see him go up to the water bowl and drink the water. So just the versatility of that tool as well and the fact that it can get attached to our drone. You can put uh, it on Don't a forget about stick. the underwater, the duck feet, because that's uh, <laughs> my personal favorite. <laughs> I did a public service announcement about what you should and shouldn't feed ducks. So... For anybody who doesn't know, you shouldn't be feeding them bread. It's not healthy for them. It's like if we ate candy all the time. Um, you should be feeding them seeds and things they would naturally eat. So we we had a problem in our park, so we did a public service announcement for it, and I ended up um, – uh, taking a selfie stick, attaching the GoPro to it, sticking it down in one of the ponds and getting a shot of all the ducks' feet as they were swimming. So Love just it. different things that you can do that are fun and that are engaging and compelling that you wouldn't be able to do with your regular, you know, normal broadcast camera. Yeah, and that's, I mean, the other thing too is we, we're talking about this whole episode has been all about tech and tools and stuff like that. But ultimately, like, if somebody else is trying to duplicate this, like make sure that your content is interesting, that whatever you're filming with the GoPro is something that people actually want to want. You know, no amount of tech yes. or tools is going to make you. Yeah, it's not going to make it awesome if it's not awesome to begin with. You have to you have to have that mindset. You have to have the people that know how to use it. You're not just going to be able to buy a GoPro and a drone. It's like, OK, everything we do is great now. You, you know, there, there has to be that mindset that you have when you go in about what's creative, what's interesting, and most importantly for a government, what do your citizens want to see? If they don't want to see it, there's no point in And doing who's it. using it? I yeah. think that's a bigger issue, especially when it comes to government. I get a lot of questions from other cities about, hey, I got a camera and I put it on a tripod, now what do I do? And if you don't have the right people to operate it or that don't understand enough, you know, and yeah. are savvy enough when it comes to video to figure it out, 
like we said, whether it's through trial error or reading the instruction booklet, (laughs) you need to be able to figure it out. And unfortunately, I think, you know, in a lot of cities, you know, they want to take an AV tech who's been there maybe running sound at council meetings for a long time and turn them into a digital journalist or a video producer. And I talk about this all the time, that um, those are very difficult skill sets to teach. Um, You're probably better off finding someone who came from a news background or has some type of a video background that already brings those um, skill sets to the table. So right in line with what you said, um, again, it's all about that mindset and, and the person that's operating because you can have the fanciest technology and tools um, in the world, especially when it comes to video. But if you don't have the right person um, to know what content, what story to tell, um, and how to physically create and produce it, um, it's it's not going to be successful. So don't run out and go spend a lot of money on technology. You know, start small. Start easy. Start with what's on in your hand on your iPhone. That iPhone. Yeah, yeah and what you can already do. And you don't need to really be a video expert to do live video. You don't really need to be a video expert to use your phone. I think we all create videos on a day-to-day basis basis. Um, And so I think that that's a really, really important piece of advice that I would give to other cities looking to kind of integrate and start to use some of these tools. A poor artist blames their paintbrush. Exactly. That's that's what they say. And that's totally true. If you're going to invest time and money into something, invest it in the people that are going to be using the, the technology and then let the, you know, let the tools and the tech just supplement what they're doing to elevate it. Don't, don't rely on the tech and tools to make it work. Couldn't agree more. And on that note, I think we're going to bring this to a close. That was that was perfect. Um, really, very, very true. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And until next time, be sure to engage with us on social media. Follow us at Gilbert Your Town on Twitter and Instagram and like us at Gilbert Town Hall on Facebook. Check out our videos at gilbertaz.gov backslash YouTube. And if you have questions or comments for us, use the hashtag GovGoneDigital. We'll see you next time from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Gone Digital.